My name is Doreen Cromus, and I know most of you all, but some of you I don't and everything. Um, the one thing you need to know about me is, is I love his word. I love it, and I really enjoy studying the Old Testament. So Samuel's right down my alley. I love it. Um, we're going to talk about 16 and 17 today. Uh, some of you know I lived in Chicago for a time. And when I lived in Chicago, my husband always, come middle of February, would uh, get me something. You see, in February in Chicago, spring is far away. So he would get me this big pink azalea, and we'd sit it on the counter. And all of a sudden, my spirits lifted. Because, you know, outside I had snow, and sometimes dirty snow, but I had a pink azalea. It's amazing how what we see controls us, and that controls all of us. We all liked it. Anyway, and, you know, Israel is the same way. They wanted someone to fight for them. And so they looked at everybody around them, and they thought, you know, we need a leader. I want somebody just like everybody else. Now, they had a leader, but their leader wasn't exactly like everybody else. He fought for them, but he didn't fight for them the same way. I kind of like the way he fought, though. He had stones from heaven, confusion, fear, had them marching around, singing. God fought for them. But still, they wanted something to see. When I was uh, studying, I've studied Samuel several times, but this time the word see just popped out at me. I saw how visual everybody was being. I just, you know, we have, we want to see. We are visual people. We want our clothes to be just right. We want our children uh, to dress so cute and also to act right. Um, and even this Facebook stage, we want our food to look pretty. <laughs> and people take pictures, you know. Well, you know, I can make a pretty dish. I make sure there's red and maybe, you know, particularly with a pasta dish, you need to have some colors in it and everything. But I've made a dish like that, and it tastes awful. So you got to know what's on the inside. Got to go. We're visual people, and, you know, there are times in our lives our eyes, you know, <laughs> I thought I'd never have to wear glasses. Yeah, it happened. It happened close to 50. Started wearing glasses. Then I got a cure for it, and I got contacts. But anyway, but still, we want to see, and we want to see well. Um, God talks about seeing. In verse 7 of chapter 6, he said, Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I want to, that's what I want to grow to be, what, see what God sees. Chapter 16 is an introduction of a new king. God says, I have seen 
again, the word see, for myself a king, which will be David. This is what God says about Saul when he was chosen. Make for them a king. There's a big difference between Saul and David. The Lord said to Samuel that the Lord does not see with eyes, taking only impressions like we do. But he sees with his heart. He sees with his own personal intentions and purposes. That's how God sees. That's how he sees me. David had a particular place in his heart. In God's heart. He, he had God's purposes for a time. And that made him so different from Saul. We like to trust in what we see. And we need to trust him for what he sees and provides in his way. When do we do not trust him, we are fearful, disobedient, and confused. Did you see that in your lesson today? People fearful, disobedient, and confused. In Samuel, we see obedience. He goes to Bethlehem after he's been chastised for uh, grieving, but he, he's obedient to God. <laughs> but he fears Saul. And so God has to provide a way for him. He provides a way and, you know, take a heifer, let's, let's go, at, go sacrifice. God gives us the solutions to our fears. Looking on the outward, Samuel, when he gets there to Jesse's house, he sees a son. He sees the first one. And he, because of his parents, he uses the word look, which is, again, the same word for see on the outward, and thinks, surely, Eliab, he's the one. He looks the part, doesn't he? Like Samuel... We see what is, we think is right, but it is not necessarily God's choice. But Samuel's obedient to go through and go through the sons and follow his direction. I think that's obedience helps us to see him more. To be obedient to what he is calling us to do. Um, we have a problem that arises not, it's pretty familiar to us today. It seems like it's in the same area, same problem. But maybe a little bit different people. But Israel is in a desperate problem. Philistines are in their territory. They're not on the, uh, in their cities. They're close to Jerusalem. There's a hill on one side, and we have the Philistines. And the other hill on the other side... It's the Israelites. But the problem is in the middle. And the valley of Elah, it's Goliath. The Hebrew gives us some um, understanding of what the people were like. Because in the Hebrew, the Philistines are in the active voice. They're ready to fight. The he uh, Israelites on the other side are in the passive voice. Mm, they're not ready. Where they're in fear and they're shaking. But uh, 
the, uh, um, oh, I just misplaced my thing. Uh, he um, has David come down. And I, if you listen to the tape, Rico Tice said he goes on a lunch run. And um, what he is, he's still, David is still back. He's still back in, um, in the fields. He's still back doing things for his father. He's still back, uh, not even being a king, it seems. But he's sent one time. He's sent one time, and he hears Goliath. Um, he listens. And as David says to the men, he says, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach of Israel? Well, Saul and, the, and Israel are hidden. They're away. They're shrunk back. Uh, when he comes, when David comes, there's a contrast here. When David comes, he puts his things in the baggage and then goes forward. Do you remember what, where we found Saul at times? And the baggage. Again, a contrast. But also in 1726, he calls Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. He calls him for what he is. He sees uh, that Goliath is not only defying Israel, but he is defying the power of God. He sees uh, that he, the battle is not his. He is an enemy of God, and that's key. Uh, there's always naysayers when David comes forward. He has the naysayer of a brother. He has the naysayer of Saul. But Dad, uh, David knows that he has the God of creation when he uh, is going to go into battle. Even when he comes forward, David is approached by Goliath. Goliath is very unhappy. Goliath is very unhappy that they've sent him sticks. This small person, young maybe, has been his biggest problem. But, and he cursed then David by his gods. And he tells him what he's going to do with him. But David's response is different. He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And the last part, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Sometimes as we see things, we think that our battle is ours. And we try to fix it. But the battle, most of the time, is God's. We need to be obedient to him and ask to see what he sees of the battle that we have. We know the end of the story. David takes the stone or rock, how big it might be. But, you know, Goliath is, has all this armor. 
He's covered from tip to toe. He has everything he needs to fight a battle. But some way or another, that sling in the hand of a person that's being used by God hits the right place. It was God's battle. He won. And you notice what happened to Goliath. Goliath fell face down. Did you remember another made-up God that fell face down? Dagon? He bows down to God. Also, he takes his spear. David didn't have one. Cut off his head. Cut off his head just like what was done with Dagon. Again, we will have no other gods before him. It matters not what weapons you have. You just to make sure that you have God on your side. No one expected the enemy to be defeated that day by the youth with a rock and a sling. But God worked unexpected. Sometimes, most of the time, my answer to prayers are not exactly the way I thought it would. He works in his way. Things that can't be visualized. Things that I can't see ahead of time. Part of this story also reminded me of Hannah's prayer. We've used it a couple of times. But in 2.10, she says, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to the king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Most people that don't even know anything about the Bible knows about David and Goliath. And who is the hero of the story for them? David. You can use... David can be used for, oh, all sorts of programs. You need to do this and that, you know. But, you know, what David did, he heard and his, he used what he had, all those things. But this, is, this isn't about David. This is about our God who uses the unusual, different people. As I said before, God saw him and saw his purposes. That's what it, you know, he saw who he was. Seeing visually only produces fear and confusion. Seeking him allows us to think more clear and to trust him. None of the experiences in our life is out of God's economy. And we see that with David spending time in the in the uh, pasture and that time he learned all the trades that he needed as far as this uh, point. So I don't think uh, anything that we have is not wasted. Some things will, you know, that we've been taught, some things that we can do, we need to use them. I studied Samuel, as I said, several times. But the word for C, which is R-A-A or R-A-A-H in the Hebrew, uh, was over and over and over again. But it was used as um, provide, look, see, 
But I saw the sea. I kept looking it up, sea. And I think that's what we need to see in this story, a true story. We need to see that God is our defender. He's our provider. He's omniscient and more than we can say. He's the one that raises up kings. He's the one that destroys others. His purpose will not be thwarted. He is not passively sitting on the sidelines. I have purpose to share the Lord and save, not by a sword or a spear, but with faith and trust in his son. David is a forerunner of Christ, as we had in our Bible study this week. There's so many characteristics and things we see of David that will eventually be imperfect come in Jesus Christ. To understand and to see him perfectly, you need to know his son, Jesus. And through his blood, we can stand, we can communicate, we can talk. We like to trust in what we see. God wants us to trust in what he sees and what he provides in his way. Trusting him takes away fear, and we are obedient then. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for a very story that we all have known, we have all heard for many times. May we continue to see the God of this story. May we see that he works in his way, his time, for his glory. In your name, amen.